the amount that people actually think of you is probably a thousand times less than what you think they think about you. That is really astute. <laughs> I didn't make it up myself, but you know, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. So all the times that you think they think that you're slacking off because you're at home, they're probably not even thinking about you. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Today's guest is Jason Zenger, president of Zenger's, a family-owned company that sells tools and industrial supplies to machine shops. Also, he and his co-host, Jim Carr, produce a popular podcast about the machining industry called Making Chips. I sat down with Jason at this year's International Machine Tool Show to get his story. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graff. P-I-N-K-E-R-T dot com. Well, let's, let's make this formal, Jason. Yeah, let's do it. Welcome to the podcast. What do you do? What's your story? My story. Okay. So I'm Jason Zenger. I'm president of Zenger's Industrial Supply, and I also am the founder and co-host of Making Chips, which is a um, media company for manufacturing leaders. So our mission is to equip and inspire manufacturing leaders on the Making Chips podcast. And then at Zenger's, our, our, our mission is to basically create profitability for our metalworking clients. So we utilize the, the latest in tooling, work holding, uh, cutting tools in order to um, cut costs and increase productivity for our customers. But you, you sell the cutting tools. We sell the cutting tools, yeah. yeah. So what? But we go, about, we, we go about that in a little bit of a different manner than I would say our competition does. Oh, okay. Well, how would you say that you're different from the way the competition does it? So, so like as an example, some our, our competition, um, it's kind of like if you if you deal in like a retail environment when you go to the let's say the grocery store and you're buying you know a box of cereals, you don't know you don't know actually what that box of cereal costs the grocery store, right? But when we go to a client, mm-hmm. we actually sell our cutting tools and our work holding um, and our and our tooling at our cost. Okay, the, whatever the cost is from the manufacturer, and then we charge a management fee on top of that. We call it our our VIP program, our vending integration and productivity. Interesting. Yeah, so and everything the, is 
transparent. It's very transparent. Um, it's more of a, a close partnership than um, than you would have with a um, you know a traditional distributor like us. I mean, our initiative is to create profitability for our clients, and we feel that that transparency brings us that much closer to them, so that we can accomplish that. We don't, it's not for so we've got um, thousands of clients. We don't do this for every client. It okay. has to be a particular type of relationship where we have that agreement to move forward in that way. Okay, so you have smaller clients where they're buying just some kind of tool or drill, and right? You're, we there for, we there we sell it like a fair a fair markup, and we don't share a cost. But um, for a lot of our customers, where we're you know really have that um, that that close partnership, we we have a different relationship that we think is unique. Okay, so uh, your grandfather got into. The, the origin of this business? Yeah, yeah. So um, my grandfather started the business um, and actually it's had like a couple iterations. So when my grandfather started the business, it was a hardware store. So okay. you go when, there. When was that? That was 1951. So my grandfather, my grandmother um, worked there. So he had he was like vice president of a hardware co-op and there was an opportunity to open a hardware store in that like Leiden Township, Franklin Park area where it was basically farm fields there and he's right, out, right outside of chicago right outside of yeah right near o'hare airport and um you know he basically sold grass feed and you know lawnmowers and everything that you would find at your traditional hardware store mm-hmm. um and then when my my dad and my uncle took over the business um at that time there was a lot of machine shops and screw machine shops and everything moving into that general area and they said hey you know we're getting business from you know the homeowners, and we're getting businesses. We're getting business from industry. Let's focus on one, and so they focus on industry, and they started getting into you know just selling power tools, hand tools, cutting tools, and really focusing on that that particular industry. And then when I took over, um, I knew that Chicago was a metalworking environment, as you know, you and your dad know, because that's that's sure. the business that you're in. Um, and I really said, you know, for us to grow this company, we need to focus, and we need to focus on the metalworking industry. Industry, and that's what we did. And so we went from hardware store to industrial supply to really metalworking specialists. Okay. And which specific um, metalworking tools do you do? You I like brands. Brands or you, you like inserts? Yeah, drills? inserts, drills, taps, end mills, everything. You know, we, we sell the entire, um, you know, the all the lines of cutting tools that you can imagine and everything from, you know, like I said, work holding to tool holders to cutting tools. So would you sell the same tools as like a Kenna metal? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we do sell that brand as well. All the big names that you would know about. A lot of times we'll go into a client and, and we'll, we'll be like their single source supplier. So we'll have to sell every single brand that they, that they consume, whether it's Kenna metal, Sandvik, Iskar, um, you know, and, and all the brands. Okay. So why would they go to you rather than just go to a regular distributor or Well, we are regular in a lot of ways, but we're also, you know, unique in a lot of ways too. So, yeah, I mean, I, so maybe I don't understand the question. Uh, I mean, are like you a, like you're a, a distri- you you're like an official distributor for I don't maybe I don't exactly know yeah, how, so this, lot, how the business works. I'll explain that. <laughs> so a lot of times in our in our industry you have what you call like your flagship brand. Okay. This is the line that you're most familiar with and you lead with that product. Everybody has like their flagship brand, but 
in, in, and that's where you have your closest relationship. But we also sell all of the other brands that go that that would be competitive to that flagship brand, just because we want to be that single source supplier for our customers. Especially when it gets into like that VIP program, we have to um, because we install vending machines and we use um, uh, Toolcrib software in order to help manage their um, manage their supply chain. I see. So a shop has they want a, a a one-stop shop where they can get all of their needs taken mm-hmm. care yeah. of. And so you, you make it easy for them. We make it easy for them. There and you because go. Because it's transparent, yeah. they know that they're getting the right value. Yeah, you just said it better than me. Nice. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Sure. I have to steal that from you. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's, it's fine. I mean, you'll have to you know, put a footnote at the end. Of it. <laughs> okay, well... What is one of the most important things you learned from your father? Great question. Gosh. Um, so I'll, I'll tell a story. So when I started in the business, I, 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 started, I, I went to college and I was a chemical engineer. Okay? And when you're, an, when in, you're an engineering student, you learn that there's, there's a right and a wrong answer. There's a black and a white space, okay? okay? And that was kind of like the way I had been trained. It's kind of like if you were, you know, being trained to be an attorney, the, the attorney will say, I represent one person. You know what I mean? Like, that, I go to bat for that person and nobody else means anything. When you're an engineer, there's a right and a wrong, for the most part. I mean, I'm kind of generalizing here, but, you know, there's a formula, there's a right answer, there's a wrong answer, there's a white space and a black space. And when I came into the business, as you know, business isn't like that. There's a whole gray space there that you have to sure, be, sure. Um, that you have to be aware of. And I think, you know, my dad had to kind of unwind me and retrain me um, what it what it takes to run a business and that you have to, you know, operate within that gray space. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of generalizing there, but it just, you know, it just has to do with, you know, you can't take, um, you know, say like hard, hard lines with your, with your clients. You can't take hard lines with your, um, with your team. And I've really, I you guess. You have to be flexible. You have to be flexible. And I've really transitioned over the last 20 years and in my my business management, and um, that's been really helpful. That you know, he really made that um, clear to me in the very beginning. Was so. there a specific moment that you can remember where it just like blew your mind? Like you were thinking in your rigid engineering <laughs> uh, form, and then he said, "No, no." It, it, it's not like that. You've got to talk to the customer like this, or this is not how it works. Was there any specific memory that? Comes yeah. To okay. Mind? So I, I, I definitely have a memory, and, and hopefully this is a good um, a good example of this. So you know, um, when I came into the business, you know, I had I had certain responsibilities, and you know, one of the things about being in a small business is that you don't necessarily. Um, you don't have like this, like a training program. When you work in small businesses, like you, you really train on the job, right? I mean, yes. you just got to figure it out. I know that when when I um, when I started work at Zenger's, there, my dad and my uncle's right hand man, he was like literally just gave like a week's notice because he his wife had just gotten a job as the principal of the school and he was going to be a stay-at-home dad and and he was leaving and and it was basically up to me to take over his responsibility so they they said you're going to be 
in charge of our ERP system. You're going to uh, be the cutting tool specialist. <laughs> and you had to figure all these things out. So I had to really make those adjustments. Um, but one of the other memories that comes back is um, in... But you had worked there already, you know, no, growing I, I, up? Or? No, no. I, I never had a clue what my dad did when I, um, when I started there. No, literally, Me too. Yeah, literally no clue. No I just I started, yeah, yeah, not much of a clue. Um, but I do remember um, during one of the um, uh, recessionary periods, I think it was, what was it, like 2008-ish? I'm bad with I'm bad with my That's time. the worst one. Yeah, that was the bad one. Uh, my dad and I were driving to um, to go get lunch uh, uh, at a local Mexican restaurant, like we like we did often, and um, uh, we were having some discussions just about the state of sales and being able to make payroll. And um, my dad mm-hmm. volunteered to literally go from whatever his salary was to zero. He started, um, you know basically going into his 401k just so we can employ the rest of the people at the company. And we had this discussion and, you know, I had different responsibilities there, but we, we came to the conclusion of, I need to get out there and sell because that was important at that t- that point in time because, you know, the pipeline was drying up because of the recession and I needed to get out there. Whereas you were just managing. I was managing and um, learning. Maybe just being more um, reactive um, from a sales perspective as opposed mm-hmm. to proactive. But it came down to that, you know, him and I decided you need to get out there. You need to start meeting customers. You need to, you know, real, you need to figure out what they need from us and really put, I guess, points on the board if you're going to use, you know, like a sports analogy and i needed to you know change the my approach to the business you know sounds you, like, you need to be flexible you know like well, you it sounds like that difficult time made you grow a lot oh totally totally yeah i mean they always say that like whenever you go into a recession it really you know um separates um you know people that are really going to be successful in the future and i think that's definitely the case you have children i have four kids that i'm nice. raising here in the city of chicago yes from 12 the newborn Urban kids. Yeah, urban kids. My daughter, who's 12, uh, takes the L home from school. Cool. So it's very different. Got to teach them different things. And have they expressed any interest in the business? Uh, my daughter has expressed that she's not interested in the business. Mm-hmm. So, and as a matter of fact, I even, um, it's kind of funny. So like whenever the, the topic of making chips comes on, she like immediately rolls her eyes and, you know, uh, I try to, you know, we're, we're speaking every day here at IMTS, um, on the main stage. And, yeah. It looks like you guys are having such an awesome, we're time. having a great time. It's exhausting, but we're having a great time. And, um, uh, she was like, ah, you know, she's just not, you know, the kids aren't into it. You know, my, my daughter wants to be a, um, a skating instructor. She does synchronized ice skating and my son wants to be a ninja and then then the other two don't have any clue what they want to be so you know they're not thinking about selling tools or metalworking although they have been all of them um have been not the newborn but they're going to be here soon uh they've been to imts and they love the robots the robots are cool the robots are cool and that's one of our next big things that we're going to get into as well your your company our company yeah yeah, so our next big thing is that we want to get into um, collaborative robots. So we think that's the future of being able to provide like that. Like you'll distribute them? And yeah, yeah, it's distribute them. Which we'll, ones are you looking at? Um, you know, our partner right now is um, Universal Robots. We feel it's okay. one of the most flexible systems out there. And um, Yeah, we know, interviewed Esben. Oh, you have? Great. Okay, okay. Yeah, so we, we, um, we, we have some... Um, people on our team who are going to be able to help um, do the implementation and really be focused on providing that cost savings to our customers to implement robotics because we feel that all of our customers, not, not every single um, metalworking customer should have robotics per se, but they all should at least consider it look at where it might be a fit and, and at least make a decision. You know, you can't just ignore it. 
That seems like a cool uh, combination because your goal is to be the the one stop shop for all the ancillary things with yeah. their machine tools. So absolutely, and, and you know our, our ultimate goal is to you know provide that documented cost savings. So robots seems like a, a very natural progression for us. Well, what did you? plan on doing before you went into the business? Or had you always kind of had it in the back of your mind? Uh, no, it wasn't. So when I was in college, as I mentioned, I, w- I studied engineering. Um, which what was, made you want to study engineering? Um, I had a, a, my favorite teacher in high school was my chemistry teacher. And I talked to her and she said, why don't you, you know, go into engineering? I was like, okay. I mean, I didn't have much of a clue. I mean, if I really... Um, it's good for the brain. Yeah, it's good for the brain. And, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I really, uh, to be quite honest, I got my butt kicked in undergrad. Um, I went to a school that had um, a lot of people that came into the engineering from engineering school from overseas. and Wash they, U? Wash U. Yep, it's good, exactly. Good yeah, school. Good my school. Went there. Oh, great. Okay, good. Um, and they were willing to work um, literally Monday through Sunday nights. And I was yeah. only willing to work Monday through Friday nights. <laughs> And so I just couldn't keep up with them. And um, so then, what happened? How did the how did the progression go? Well, I, I, I made a decision after doing an internship that I didn't want to be an engineer. I just I wanted to work with people. I wanted to you know I didn't want to um, have that experience of being a chemical engineer. I think that I, I could have maybe been a different type of engineer, like maybe mechanical or civil. But I'd already been going down that mechanical that or sorry that uh, chemical engineering route, and so um, I, it just. You know, it's one of those things where I just had an epiphany and I said, this is not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started looking at um, other jobs in business. And um, as I was interviewing, um, I think I was interviewing with like business consulting firms like Deloitte and Anderson. And my dad called me up and he said, your, your uncle, or he said, your uncle wants to retire and I don't want to run this business by myself. What do you think about giving it a try? And I said, and yeah. Did you go to business school? No. I, I got my MBA, but I, I did not undergrad. Before it was all, this? No. Uh, no, I got my. I went to undergrad engineering and then um, business graduate school. So and I had then no, after that, you your father said no. When I it was my um, senior year. No, sorry, my my the end of my junior year in undergrad studying chemical engineering, where he said your uncle wants to retire. What do you think about considering the family business? And I said, yeah, let's let's give it a try. Mm-hmm. You know, Has it would have been MBA foolish. Helped you a lot. You know, that's that's a good question. So um, I often wonder, me in business, and I haven't done anything like that, so... Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it gave me... Um, so I went to Northwestern Kellogg for my MBA. And, not bad. And it, yeah, not bad. And it was... I met a lot of great people. Um, I think that it, um, it gave me confidence. It taught me a few skills, but I really, truly believe that nowadays, especially in small business, first of all, that the piece of paper doesn't mean, uh, you know, a lot as far as whether you're going to be successful or not. And there's so much education that's available on podcasts, on YouTube, in books. I mean, you could, you could really, um, I I just, I think the educational system needs to change. Mm -hmm. And to be quite honest with you, I probably learned way more from books and videos and podcasts than I ever did in um, the two years that I was in graduate school. Interesting. I hope that answers your question. Maybe save the money. Yeah, you probably made good contacts there. I made some if you wanted to go but into you know that. What? To be quite honest, I was really the outlier in school because everybody was a banker or in marketing or you know in in consulting or computer science. The fact that I was in an industry that made things, there were, it was me and one other guy, and that same guy was actually the only other guy in family business as well. So, were you in business school while you were working for yes. the company? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Yep. Fridays and Saturdays. So. Okay. Making chips. Making chips. If you're not making chips, you're not making money. I, I came up with the idea for making chips because I was a big consumer of podcasts. So it was just something I loved to do during commutes. I'd, Me you know, too. just whatever I could do to educate myself. And, um, you know, I just, I just thought to myself, there's not a, a voice out there in, in, in the podcast world for the manufacturing industry and mm-hmm. specifically the, um, uh, the metalworking industry. So that's, that's how it came about. And I appeared on a, um, a radio show, um, with my now, um, you know, co-founder partner in making chips Jim Carr and uh, I thought he was well spoken um, he happened to be a client too even though I didn't know him um, and I pitched so wait, the where, idea to him where did you meet him we were on a, a I think it was AM 760 at 6 a.m. on a Saturday so the only people that would be up would be business owners you know like listening to the radio or going into work and we he talked about social media and manufacturing and I talked about um, casting and realizing a vision for your company um, and you know, I just thought he was well spoken, and I pitched it to him and said, "Hey, what do you think about starting a podcast?" And he said, "Yeah, let's do it." And, and we then, did it. And you guys work well together, and, and we work well together, and it just took off. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's really important to have a partner. Yeah, yeah, to collaborate. So, yeah, it is. What are you getting more enjoyment out of between the two, or is it just a different kind of? A different kind of high between the two businesses. Yeah, it's it's different. So my whole mantra is it's not fair to, to make a. Yeah, it's it's really it's really hard. So I, the, the, my whole mantra is I love I love leading leaders, and you know that's ultimately what I want to do in my in in Zengers. What I want to see done at Black, and and what I want to see happen at Making Chips. And I love just what's Black. Uh, Black is actually Black Industrial Safety Supply is my um, is my wife's company. They're the location in Hammond, Indiana. So a different brand. Um, then Zanger's um, different team that works there, um, and that's my that's my what wife's kind of, baby. What are they? What are they? Um, they also sell to manufacturing and industry. They're more focused on I'd, I'd say like Fortune 500. Um, they one of their biggest clients is a um, is an oil refinery. Um, so a little bit of a different segment. They that company's been around since 1893, so they have a well established brand um, oh, wow. that you know it's, it's her family business. No, um, we actually bought the company um, about three years ago opportunity arose for us to do that well that's a whole nother so it's a whole nother, whole, whole nother conversation podcast. i know um, i know tell me about it okay. so anyway yeah like leading leaders i mean that's you know that's my leading my biggest leaders. thing and it's not even like i'm like the smartest guy in the room and i'm you know but but i just feel like i can be a conduit of helping people to really you know elevate their game not because i'm like you know come up with like just all these great things but just having conversations with people um and and just giving them new ideas that maybe i learned from somebody else right now, I think that's the way I feel about our podcast. It's kind of like, um, have you ever heard that NPR podcast, How I Built It? I haven't, no, but sounds interesting. It's just one where they, they interview all these uh, founders of companies, and you know, but they've become huge companies, mm-hmm. and they find out how they started from start to finish. You know, I've been trying to figure out the framework for, for our podcast. I mean, we've interviewed... A diverse group of people, but sure. in the end, in order to get enough enough interviewees, we're going to have to interview a lot of shop owners. You yeah, know, like so. To me, that seems like that makes sense. Is that is that the kind of thing where you're? You're really into people's stories of how they started their businesses. Yeah, I, I, well, I love people's stories. It doesn't necessarily have to be about um, 
how they started their business, although I do think that that's a, that's a great um, focus, you know, for, for you guys to have. But um, it's just, it's something that can be inspiring to the rest of the metalworking nation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and something that can equip them with um, new knowledge, new skills, new something else that can help them in their business. I mean, we, we specifically focus on the manufacturing leader. So um, that's who we want to equip and inspire. Okay. So the the mover and shaker of a company. I guess, or the aspiring mover and shaker of the company. Would have been a few of your favorite interviews. Oh, you can't ask me that question. Top that five. Be, that would be... Uh, that top, top five, and then you can describe a couple. Okay, so I will, I'll, I'll give you my top five. So I would say at this point in time, we're at IMTS... 2018, my top five interviews have been the last five days of IMTS. No, I'm serious because like we... Come on. No, no, no. Seriously, because we've had such great, unique people that we've interviewed every single day. It's been amazing. It's from like Monday, we talk with um, uh, Titan Gilroy, who's one of the just, you know, hugest personalities in the industry. Um, Who is he? Uh, he is... Um, Titan Gilroy is from Titans of uh, CNC, and he is really trying to re um, he is trying to help people to rethink how they educate the next generation of machinists. So Definitely he has important. this whole thing called the Academy where um, um, he wants to see the younger generation really look at education differently. So instead of saying, well, you have to start off on that manual lathe or that bridge port um, in order to learn machining, um, and then you can move on to the CNC machines, what, what he's saying is, let me teach you the basics of CAD CAM, how the software works in the machine, and I want to have you on a CNC machine in three days. Wow. All right. That's that's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of them. That's one of them. Um, and then we had a another day where we uh, interviewed uh, four CEOs on you know four hot topics about what keeps them up at night. And it was just that great is a to, really good question. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. totally write that down yeah, for yeah. future podcasts. Yeah. Uh, it'll be it'll be coming out soon. It was a it was a great interview where it was just um, you know just your your everyday. Um, machine shop, machining, production machining owner, and uh, they talked about um, what they've done to to really just solve that problem of, of the things that are keeping them awake at nighttime. Okay. Um, and then today we uh, we had a discussion with um, Jim, the CEO of Akuma. Yeah, it's pretty um, big. Yeah, uh, Andrew Benson, the CMO of Iskar, and Megan West, uh, the president of Mastercam. And we had a discussion about how they can work together in this um, uh, this environment of Industry 4.0 with sensors and data and all that kind of stuff. How these three different types of companies can work together in order to make manufacturing better. This is something that has just been on my mind a lot. Trying to figure out how to manage my time and be productive and doing, you know, having responsibilities for two businesses. I don't even have kids. I mean, uh, <laughs> that makes it more complicated. What do you do to, to cope? Do you have any, any advice yeah, for me or other people? Do you have, you, I assume you're a good delegator. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a good delegator. Yeah, I, I, I would call myself like a um, like a recovering micromanager. Um, so I think I started out micromanaging, and I've recovered since then by you know just um, giving people responsibility and um, being okay with them doing it differently than me. But I would say, as far as you know, the answer to your question, um, I would say 
give yourself, you know, guide rails. So I, I try to compartmentalize like everything that I do. So like, um, I work from home two days a week. Okay. Okay. And during those two days a week that I work from home, I really work on the things that I couldn't get to when I was in the office. When I go into the office, that makes total sense. I I try to do that too. Like once a week. Exactly. When I go into the office, um, at Zenger's on Tuesday and Thursday, I'm there to be with my team. Okay. I'm there to meet with them. I'm there to answer their questions. I'm there to just ask them how they're doing. And that way I'm not frustrated when I, if I'm in the office every day, I, I could get frustrated because I've got people coming in to talk to me it's all really the time. It's really hard to multitask. It, it's hard to multitask. So I try to compartmentalize everything that I do. And that that's probably how I remain most efficient. Do you worry that when you, uh, when you work from home that people resent that? I do. Yeah, I definitely worry about that. Um, and I try to, like, you know, kind of give them little hints that I'm actually working. I know. <laughs> and it's hard. I know, I know. Yeah, but I think at this point, you know, I just been, can't care. Yeah. Well, you, you, you have to be able to let that go, I guess. You know what I mean? I would say, you know, just let it go. They need to understand and they need to trust you. And, you know, it kind of goes along with, you know, giving them that responsibility. You can't, you can't micromanage and, you know, be free at the same time. If you're going to micromanage, you better be there every day. You know what I mean? And be answering every question. So, cause you can't, you can't have that freedom if you're micromanaging at the same time. So, and I think my team knows that I trust them. And to be quite honest with you, I think they like it that I'm not there every day. You know, mm-hmm. I think sometimes there could be moments in time where they were like, I wish Jason was here every day. Um, but or I think, they, but they th- do, do you think, do you ever worry about people going, Jason, he's just he's so uh, preoccupied with his show He's he's spending too much time on that, or, yeah. or what the yeah. hell is he doing when he's at home? Or, yeah, well, I like, tried to like show these him. things. Yeah. You know, I, look, I, I like I I like people I work with. I, I just wonder sometimes if if they uh, what they think. I mean, I'm I'm constantly in communication with them uh, when I'm at home, but. I guess I'm I'm self-conscious. It sounds like you've gotten over that. Well, I I wouldn't say that I've completely gotten over it, but I would actually say that it's probably a good thing that you feel that way um, because then you're going to react know. appropriately. You know what I mean? If you didn't care, I think that would be a different situation. But I, I think this also goes back to um, something that I, I just mentioned this the other day, and it's like, the amount that people actually think of you is probably a thousand times less than what you think they think about you. That is really astute. <laughs> I didn't make it up myself, but you know, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. So all the times that you think they think that you're slacking off because you're at home, they're probably not even thinking about you. Yeah, I, I, maybe you're right. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll tell myself that. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I mean... It, and, and, you know, the other, the bottom line is, and I try to tell my team this, it's, it's about the results. You know exactly. what I mean? So if you're producing the re- results by, you know, working at home two days a week, then, hey, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I've had other members of my team that do work from home. Um, and not everybody can because there's some people that are very, you know, operational in nature and they need real. to be in the office yeah, every day. Real. But, I mean, you know, for the ones that have a job that they can work at home and they've asked me, I've been, okay, yeah, that's fine. Let's work something out and let's, let's make it happen as long as you're still producing results you know obviously if you're if you're running a cnc machine or you're managing people running a cnc machine you can't do that but if you have some other kind of role it's it's possible 
and we we just we're upgrading our ERP system. So our ERP system what is, is going to be one hundred percent our our enterprise uh, resource planning system. Our you know where you you know do all your fan, financials and everything, oh, um, yeah. or MRP they sometimes call it in manufacturing. It's a little bit different, but um, it's all going to be cloud based. So um, like brow- web browser based. So it'll make it that much easier to to accomplish that. Okay, well, I, I'm sure we could talk for a long Forever. time. <laughs> but thank, thank you, Jason Zenger. Yeah. Um, thank you, Noah. Of uh, what is it? Zenger. Zenger's Industrial Supply. Zenger Industrial Supply. Yes. And you can catch him and his partner, Jim Carr, on uh, their podcast, Making Chips. Yep. Go to makingchips.com or iTunes, Making Chips, or any of the other popular podcast players.